Hey everybody and welcome back to Ranch at Bits. I am your host, Arlo Rodriguez, and today we are actually introducing a brand new segment called The Manga Corner. In The Manga Corner, we will be talking about all of the manga that I have been reading as of late. And because Twitter and Reddit sometimes are a bit stressful to be around all the time, I wanted to find something else to do with my time. So... Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of manga over the next couple of months. So I hope you join me on this really fun journey <laughs> through all of the manga that I've been consuming. Now, I, I will say that a lot of the manga I've been reading are usually like rom-coms or like slices of, li- slice, slices of life. Those are just the ones I prefer. But if there's some one of those interesting outliers that do th- something that's so amazing that it just kind of takes me away, it'll probably be talked about on the manga corner. For today, first we'll be talking about The Girl I Like Forgot Her Glasses, which is a really cute rom-com starting two middle schoolers one named Komoro-kun and the other named Mei-san. Komoro-kun from the very beginning of the manga has a very very strong very noticeable crush on his classmate Mei-san who is a clumsy girl who seems to forget her glasses for every single class. The kind of the bit of it is that there's this uncomfortable closeness between the two and not so much because one character clearly is clearly infatuated with the other, but also because Mason has to does very interesting things in the middle of the class. Like let's say for the first, like let's say for the very first chapter, they have to put their desks together, and then she has to look at his textbook because she can't see it from because because she doesn't have her glasses. And then every time you see her draw, <laughs> the drawing of her face, she has her eyes squinted because it's really hard for her to see otherwise. Now I can kind of see how this might appear to be ableist. And some can definitely argue if it can be. I think this manga is a bit... Sometimes it might veer a little bit with some of the jokes in terms of, oh no, she can't see, oh, she's, she mistakens this garbage bag as a cat, and there's some jokes at her expense in that kind of way. But I do think that... I don't think it's in the mean-spirited kind of way. Since Komura is the main character we're following, it's more about putting him in uncomfortable situations with Mason and about their relationship in terms of the course of the story. Yes, some of those jokes are there, but again, it's more of just like Mason, who is seems really determined. And one of the funny running gags during the manga is actually about her being like a warrior who speaks like a warrior every time something happens or she becomes determined about something. And apparently, according to some of the pages, that she actually inherited this trait from her father, but her father stopped doing that for some reason. So now she's the only one in her family who does it. It's it's quite unusual, but it's really really funny. And that's one thing that I really like about this manga. It's really, really funny. And I think it kind of needs to kind of lighten itself up a little bit. Again, when you consider these are two middle schoolers, and one of the middle schoolers, holy shit, is so fucking infatuated with his classmate that anything that happens between the two, whenever they get into very uncomfortable situations or misunderstandings, you can just see the blushing on his face. You just see his entire face turning red just because of just like by how embarrassed he is in every situation. Again, going back to that first chapter, just her hair brushing up against his, and now she kind of like puts her head all the way down because she's trying to read the text because she has to look that closely at the text. Like very occasionally sometimes during the story, and this actually does become kind of important and significant later in the story, Mason actually starts becoming more close with Komura because Komura is so nice to her, and he actually isn't going out of his way to mistreat Mason or to make fun of her for her shortcoming or for forgetting her glasses. He's actually very supportive about her, and that's actually kind of actually one of the arcs that, that they go through in the story is when Mason tries to becomes a bit more cognizant about. You know, again, in any other manga, it would be like the trope of the character that forgets her glasses all the time, but then that's actually kind of a part of her character development. When she kind of gets in trouble during this school trip, 
because she forgets her glasses, but Komura kind of puts it on himself to protect Mason as much as he can. But then this actually causes Mason to become very insecure about herself and starts to feel really guilty over how how much Komura has to kind of be responsible for her, and she wants to be responsible for herself. She wants to have she wants to be reliant on herself. Yes, she still lives with her parents, but you know what I mean. It's like that sign of self determination that you kind of get when you're in, when you're young in your middle school and you don't really know what you're doing, but you're trying your best. You want to feel like an adult, even though you technically are not an adult yet. But you just want to prove something to the world. Or it's like if your friends keep making fun of you for forgetting your glasses, like, well, fuck you. I'm going to remember my glasses. I should mention this. There's no swearing in the story. I'm just saying it because I like to swear. Um, but anyway, Mason has something to prove to her friends and to Komura by trying to remember to not forget her glasses all the time, which, again, goes against the very concept of the, the name of the story or even the, the concept of the story. But at the same time, this is also Komuna's journey about being more secure in himself as well as being comfortable with the idea of being Mason's partner. Throughout the entire story, part of the reason he feels so insecure is because like, oh no, there's no way she's actually interested in me. I'm just this very boring type. I'm this clumsy type. Again, it's interesting how you learn throughout the story that both of them feel insecure about the other in ways that the others don't perceive, or maybe because they're so self-involved in their own insecurities that they don't realize how much, again, they love one another, or they don't realize how perfect they are appearing for the other. Now, again, a good thing to keep in mind here is that, yes, these are middle schoolers. They're very early in their, in, their, in, in, in this whole thing. Yes, they do eventually get together, and it is a beautiful scene. I've read it several times when I got to the chapter because I'm at the age right now, like I'm 30, and I think when I was a teenager, I was so much more cynical. I don't I don't think I would call myself asexual. That might be dismissive for people who are actually asexual. But there's something about relationships in general that I just found something so silly, so... I found so cynical about it. Just like, oh, you just want to kiss another person, or oh, you just want to hang, like, hold hands. I mean, I, I think it was added more of like, well, nothing was happening with me at the time. They had any relationships going on at the time, so I think it was some sort of... It was some sort of very unhealthy jealousy and then there's some experiences that happened in my 20s which again made me feel cynical about love in general but again more for reasons that i didn't quite understand until i became 30 until i started to learn more about relationships and what it really means to be in a relationship so now that i'm 30 and now that i've kind of experienced some of my friends being in relationships some even being married those developments have happened. Now I'm kind of trying to go back and read some stories that are a bit more lighthearted. But to get back to the original point, something that I find so refreshing about this story in particular is not because is not because it is just this wholesome story about two middle schoolers who are trying to learn really what it means to be infatuated with another person, but actually seeing them grow and develop as characters in terms of what the other person really means to them and what kind of changes they can do for themselves to be a better partner to the other person or to be a better person in general and i really think that the development between the two characters is well earned the progression from one event to another event makes sense it really feels like it's not just making jokes at mason's expense mason really wants to go out of her way and we can even see it like in one of the later chapters when she actually wants to learn how to put on contacts correctly, but then that's the, that's at the expense of her being able to go home with Komura in the afternoon after school, which is what they've been doing. At a certain point in the story, they do start becoming closer. Mason even realizes she's become infatuated with Komura because of how supportive she's been to her. 
but Komura starts feeling lonely because he doesn't really know what secret assignment Mason has been doing. And then it turns out that she's actually trying to learn to not be so reliant again, not on him. And again, it's because of her own insecurity about herself and about her shortcomings and about her clumsiness and about her her unfortunate condition with her sight where she needs glasses or contacts to be able to see properly in class or to even interact in the outside world. It, it feels like a very, very realistic but very down-to-earth depiction of these two middle schoolers and which is why when they do finally get together, again, I read that chapter so many times over and over again because one, I would like that to happen to me someday. Um, let's, let's be honest here. But also, it was just so sweet how it happened and again, yes, they are middle schoolers, they're just learning, but that's kind of interesting. The story doesn't end when they get together, the story actually continues. But another interesting plot development is that both characters are actually going to go to different high schools. So now the story is about what, how are they going to keep their relationship together, or how are they going to be able to continue to spend time with each other when they're in these new environments. And it'll be interesting to see how the author kind of deals with that. I think Roger Ebert said this once. That the stories that make you cry are actually the ones where it's like a sh uh, where, where it's like depictions of kindness. And to see a story where there's like one character who is so sweet to the other, and, and, and I mean, yes, he is in love with her, but he still goes out of his way to actually protect her, to be supportive to her, and to even say to her during a very tense moment in like in the middle of the story that he doesn't care if she has these shortcomings, I'll always support you no matter what. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. Fuck, that always made me really want to cry. It just makes me, like, think about, like, how, like, if I had my priorities differently, or if my goals were differently in middle school or high school, or if I wasn't so, like, I don't know, like, searching for clout, or, you know, I think I even remember I was super pretentious in high school, so maybe that's something I had to prove by being in high school. I don't know. If I just was more, more focused on just being a better person, it's very likely I maybe, maybe would have had a, like, my first relationship much sooner than... I ended up doing, but that's that's a story for another day. Before I move on, there is one thing I just should mention. This is like a subplot of a subplot in the story. There is another character, another middle schooler named Azuma-kun. He's in love with a college student, but it's a college student that he's kind of grown up with. It's like someone that he's known from his childhood who's grown up with him. I think someone who's like babysat him, but he's starting to realize as he's growing older, and let's again, he's still in middle school, and the person he's infatuated with is in college. And you actually see the two characters interact during one of the one of the nighttime firework festivals. And you notice, oh, Jesus, this character, even though she's a college student, is very short and looks very young. Even our main protagonists think that she's actually younger than she actually is. And there's a chapter when Azuma talks to Komura about how did he confess to Mason, And then he says, oh, wait, no, I haven't confessed to her yet. And then it becomes about Azuma talking about how he's developed this infatuation for, for his college friend and how he actually wants to tell her that he loves her. And again, it's not malicious yet. It's one of those things where I kind of have to put a pin and just like hope that given how wholesome the story has been so far that this doesn't go in really bad places. Hi everybody, this is Future Arlil jumping in to say it got worse. It got much, much worse. Uh, oh God, where do I even start? Well, there's a couple things I guess I should start with. In the text of the manga, at least based on this translation, it doesn't explicitly say that Asane, that's the name of the college student that Azuma-kun has a crush on, but it doesn't strictly say that she babysat him. 
but they are neighbors and they have grown up together. So I think the reason I made that connection is because any other situation where people grow up together and they're neighbors and there's a substantial age difference, I presume that she babies at him. But it doesn't explicitly say that in the text, so I kind of have to have a little bit of an addendum there. But however, this is going to be the rest of the episode, this addendum right now, because there's so much I am going to have to catch up everybody on, because there was a recent release, chapters 103 and 104. Now, these have not been officially translated yet. I should say that these have not been officially localized yet, but I'm pretty sure that the quality of fan translations have gotten so good, they could be basically comparable with official localizations like I can even I can even attest to this because I have the first volume of the girl I like forgot her glasses and it's very similar to the fan translation so when I say that I have to I have to make this addendum it's because the author developed the story about Ozma and Asane in an earlier chapter when Ozma tells Mason about his crush he confirms to her that she is an adult. So at this point, Azuma is very aware that Asane is an adult. So there is a very substantial age difference between a minor and an adult. Uh, let's step back a little bit and let's actually explore in detail chapters 103 and 104. So in chapter 103, Azuma decides he's finally going to confess to Asane. And there's a flashback, a very brief one, where they're at a shrine and he's wishing that I wish that Asane was my boyfriend. And Asane doesn't know how to respond to this. Like he's because she thinks that he's joking. Because that seems to be the running joke between the two of them is that ah, you actually you, you don't actually love me. That's just a joke. No, um, it turns out those feelings are genuine. But she doesn't know how to respond to these feelings as any responsible adult would probably not be aware of how to respond to such feelings. Eventually, you would presume that, and I was hoping that this manga would take the approach of, okay, he feels this way, but I have to tell you, I am an adult, the age gap is far too large, and it's just not healthy for you to have these feelings towards someone who is much older than you, and that you probably should be in relationships or develop relationships with people your own age and then you can have a more healthy development in terms of learning about relationships. That is not what this manga does. So we cut back to the present and then Asane uh, actually visits Azuma and they have a very candid conversation about his feelings towards her. A little side plot he invites his friends over because he wants to he wants them to encourage him during this and i mean i guess they're good friends for doing that but also they really should have fucking known better about this but anyway so then because of rom-com shenanigans um komura and meisan end up like in the same room together and it's honestly such a it is such a weird thing because this story has not had many like suggestive moments so this chapter in many many ways just feels so off anyway so this is actually a really important thing for me to clarify and i will mention i so this is directed from the text, because I wanted to make sure that I got this right and that I wasn't being outraged for no reason. So Asane actually tells Ozma that there are plenty of cute girls at his school, but she is worried about dragging down his stature. Dragging down his stature, like, I don't know what that could imply. Again, based on this translation, it seems like such an odd thing to say. I mean, the cute girls is just goes out like, hey, there's, there's girls that are your age, Maybe date them instead. But then this goes in a really bad direction. 
Ozma gives her an ultimatum that he wants to go out with either you or nobody. But also adding that he doesn't know how she feels about it. This is incredibly fucked up in so many ways. So this is not only it's about an age gap between a minor and an adult. This is about an entitled minor who feels that just because he feels so strongly about her that she has to reciprocate those feelings. I completely had even forgotten about this part of the story. And honestly, the reason why it's taking me so long to record this part is because I was disgusted the first time I read this. But now I'm remembering why. It is incredibly fucked up to tell your teenage audience, even in a fictional story like this, that if you just tell somebody, there's no one else for me in the world, it's you or nobody. What an incredibly fucked up thing to put onto that other person, uh, especially onto someone who's supposed to be his friend. Because before all this happens, they're friends and they've always been friends and they've been super close with each other. I, I get the stakes are high, blah, blah, blah. But no, fuck that. And unfortunately, in any other story, I would say, oh, this is when the realization comes up and the Nasane actually has a, you know, a very good description about, hey, that kind of sounds like a fucked up thing to say. Maybe don't say this. This is not what happens. So she reminds him of the times when this subject was brought up that she thought he was joking. This time, though, she doesn't mind if you weren't joking. But she also mentions that the Azuma is still in middle school even if you do have it pretty well for his age. Emphasis, mine. So, in the text, it's also implied that this is also a fucked up thing to do because, yes, this character may seem mature for his age, but it doesn't mean that they should be together. It doesn't mean that the author should have made the option of pairing them together. Why did the author do this? I cannot think of why they had to taint this really wholesome story with this incredibly fucked up subplot. I'm getting upset right now if you can't, if you can't hear it in my voice. Ozma gets what he wants. But the compromise that they come to is that, and this is actually mentioned in chapter 104, is that they're going to wait until he's actually in high school to start dating. And even in that chapter, they even talk about, have you kissed yet? And it's like, Stop it, you're gonna make me throw up all over my phone screen. <laughs> what, what kind of pushed me over the line? And I'll cut back to chapter 103. Everybody congratulates Ozma on the successful confession, including the omniscient narrator. In this version of the story, with this translation, the narrator says, congratulations, Ozma. What the fuck? So the author, on some level, approves of this development. This is another part that didn't occur to me until I started talking about this with my brother. And then after I, I had to just blurt out and vent about this on a Discord server. The original implication that I had presumed is that she had babysat for him a few times because, again, because of the age difference. So she was kind of grooming him to fall in love with her. Now, this is a bit trickier to argue about because grooming is a very serious allegation, even in a fictional story like this. But how else can you think about this? If they have really spent that much time together that he would start developing feelings for her so much that he's so enamored with her that he can't see anybody else in his periphery. And even earlier in the story, there's another middle school student that confesses to Ozma and he rejects her. So if they have such a close relationship and he has these strong feelings, that doesn't come from nowhere. 
Asane, in this version of the story, should have known to tamper down on this immediately. And she didn't. And now this paints Asane as a really irresponsible adult. Because that's what she is. She's an adult. She might be in college, but she is an adult. And he's a minor. Sorry, I'll, I'll just mention one more thing about this before we, before we finally call it a day. And maybe you are a, a, a young teenager and you kind of don't really pick up on the more fucked up implications that the story has by having an adult be in a relationship with a minor. What if the genders were swapped? So it's, it's a 15-year-old girl that has a crush on an adult man. If this was a teenage girl being told that you're very immature for your age, when you put it that way, and then that's much more clear how disgusting this really is. So now, unfortunately, in this now much longer podcast, I have to tell you that this is a subplot that is in the story, and it might ruin the story for you. So, yes, there are official translations about the story. I can only hope, because there also is an anime adaptation, that the anime does not reference this, nor does the official localization, because I hope somebody on the localization team realizes this is an incredibly fucked up thing to include in our story. Maybe we shouldn't have this at all. And I don't fucking care if it's against author's intentions or wishes. This is a story that is being marketed to teenagers. The author should have known not to include anything like this or to at least have a healthy lesson at the end of all this. And they didn't. They just fucking didn't. So now I have to tell you, my audience, because I, I feel like it would be irresponsible of me to just ignore this part of the story. And, fuck, I don't know what else to say. So, that was this edition of the Manga Corner. Thanks for listening. I honestly didn't know that it, this would take this turn, and I was hoping that it wasn't going to happen. But, again, it would have been irresponsible for me to not to cover it. Anyway, this has been Ranchette Bits. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you for the next Ranchette Bit. I, I gotta go gargle my mouth after that recall like it honestly sickens me anyway i'll see you later have a good day